We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. As if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. I'm a human being! God damn it! My life has value! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! Don't give yourselves to brutes! Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder! Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men! Machine men! With machine minds and machine hearts! Jason Burmes. And who loves you? And who do you love? Good morning, everybody. It is Reality Rants. I am Jason Burmes. Redvoicemedia.com is where you find the second hour uncensored. And every day that you don't become a premium member, you should still be going over there to get the second hour where we have great interviews and we get to let loose a little bit more. And this is going to be a tough one because... Really, obviously, we're going to talk about Cosby, uh, unfortunately, euthanasia, the growing trend of glamorizing it because we live in a post-truth world that is constantly inverting reality on behalf of this very anti-human, transhuman agenda. That, that's bare minimum. Bare minimum. That's what it is. You, you can argue other points, the finer points of it. Who's really in charge? What's pushing forward is something that will crush the very essence and spirit of humanity, and it's moving forward like a locomotive train, whether you realize it or not, whether you want to admit it to yourself or not, right now, today, and every day. They got a new uh, Davos coming up. I'm going to go off the list there and just let you know who's there. looks like Christopher Ray is going to be going. Isn't that lovely? Our FBI, our CIA, our NSA have all been captured for a very long time. They don't believe in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights at the, at the uppermost levels. You got guys like Pompeo, okay, when he had his big old belly. Big old belly Pompeo. Not skinny guy Pompeo now who's, who's grifting his way into some other political arena where he thinks he's going to become president. What a nightmare that would be. Mike Pompeo, Bilderberg Boatman as president. I mean, they could sell conservatives on that. Guys, for all you conservatives that are watching me, please. There, I know there are these huge events out there that people are going to. That, that These people uh, think that they're raging against the machine and they're fighting the deep state. That guy is the deep state. The dude. 
Okay? I want to make that very clear. Mike Pompeo, not your buddy. So we're going to get into the euthanasia issue, but what I really want to do quickly, because I don't want to dwell on it because there's only so much celebritard culture that we can focus on. And, you know, I led with Ellen yesterday, but they're, they're a tool of the machine, right? They're part of the psychological warfare operation against you and I. Now, there are some people that play ball like Ellen DeGeneres. And then there are others like Cosby, who you could argue, uh, no matter what you think he did or didn't do, and, and we'll definitely get into that because I don't think Cosby's a saint at all. I think he's a big-time hypocrite, and I don't think every one of those women, women were lying. And really, the only way that this all ended with Cosby not in jail after all that media push, and that's really what we're going to focus on, is that you know these people took money beforehand and signed NDAs. And, and a Supreme Court justice, I believe a state Supreme Court justice, flipped it and said, I, I don't even know how you guys brought this to trial. And I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that, and, and this is kind of a weird twist, because I'm, I'm not in favor of Cosby and, you know, and now he's talking about going on tour again. And he was on the Hello Friend tour. Hello Friend. I mean, the irony of Hollywood, who these people really are. Bare minimum... Cosby was over at the, the Playboy Mansion all the time, which now, you know, praised by the, you know, the mainstream and the left and the feminist movement for years and years and years about empowerment. And that's kind of being turned on its head. Enough time has now passed uh, since Hefner's death where people are talking about the darker side of that industry. No kidding. No kidding, there's a darker side to that industry. And, and Cosby was happy to take part in that. The Me Too movement was never really about bringing a bunch of people down into justice and to empower. It was limited hangout at best to manage the egregious behavior of so many of these people. And a lot of deals were cut behind the scenes. All right? But sometimes you just commit too many crimes, right? Harvey Weinstein, case in point. I was happy. This is a, one of those things Jason Burmas got wrong. I was happy to see the conviction of Harvey Weinstein for the crimes he's committed. And I'm happy to see him over on trial in L.A. And I hope they don't move. Um, I, I think it might be in San Francisco. They're trying to move the, uh, the venue. We've reported on that. Look, I'm happy that he's going down. But there's plenty of other people out there. You watch an open secret and you wonder how Brian Singer's never been brought up on charges. Come on. Let alone found guilty. The open source evidence is tremendous against people like that. So then you actually delve into the Harvey Weinstein scandal and especially when you talk about Rose McGowan. Okay, let's talk about Rose for a second. Again, Rose not perfect. Um infamous star in the 90s, uh, scream fame, but uh, really, really big in pop culture, not only because of her at Mean Girls was a big one, uh, was dating Marilyn Manson. Manson, another guy that has some pretty serious allegations uh, brought against him by, by his ex, um, Evan Rachel Wood. We've, we've done, we've been 
one of the few outlets that's talked about that. And I don't believe that's some kind of lie or vindiction. I think that, again, there's the artist and the art, but unfortunately, the artist behind the scenes, sometimes even darker than the art that you see on stage, or the art is on a total flip side, and you would never expect how dark they are behind the scenes. Cosby's really one of those guys. Talk about a dark side. I mean, this guy, bare minimum, thought he was entitled to sex with women and absolutely, I mean, if you read the NDA uh, documents, absolutely use the roof and all stuff. 100% did bad things, folks. Bill Cosby victims slam his plans to tour this year. If anybody deserves a comeback tour, it's the women he traumatized and abused. Uh, the disgraced comedian announced plans to tour again in 2023. He was released in 2021 despite claims he assaulted 45 women. And look, I, I think some of those claims were uh, absolutely unjust and fraudulent, but I also think there are probably a slew of women that not only didn't come forward, but probably aren't even around anymore. Just the way the cookie crumbles, especially in that industry. All right? So... You, you look at this, after spending three years in prison, Cosby was released on a technicality in 2021 when the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled the prosecutors in the case had violated his rights by rescinding on a promise not to charge him. He had it in writing. Okay? I want to I I put that out there. He had it in writing. So there, there is an appeals process, and I, and I hope this happens with the Oath Keepers cases, and I don't have a lot of hope for the January 6th cases, guys. I want to make that extremely clear. It's not because I'm a negative Nancy. It's because I am following this. I'm seeing what the jury selection is right. Uh, it is going on right now. Um, seeing how they're treating the lawyers. Not a lot of hope for those guys. And especially the way the mainstream and the politicians have pushed this agenda. And you look at the Whitmer case and when they failed the first time, they recharged a lot of these guys and got their convictions. You know, and a guy like Cosby, a really rich guy, okay, because it was a media push and a media agenda, went to jail for three years. Now, he got out on a technicality via the, the state Supreme Court, but is that going to is that gonna happen when these cases, number one, are in D.C.? I mean, well, I don't even know what a state Supreme Court looks like in D.C. because it's own, its own little district. Whether that happens, whether it automatically goes to the federal courts, no clue. If it goes to the federal courts, forget about it. It could be forever. It could be a case eventually that's heard. Uh, you're looking at some pretty dark moments there. But this is the world we live in. It's the media push. And that's going to decide the fate of these guys. And that's really what decided the fate of Cosby was the media push. And that's why he spent three years in prison. It wasn't the, the cases in general. That's just the society we live in. Because, again, if we had justice in this country, Jeffrey Epstein wouldn't have got the deal that he got in Palm Beach. And then when they picked him up the second time, and, and in my eyes, the reason he was picked up is because there were people in New York that were just too pissed. Too, too much evidence. Can't believe it. Now's the time. They'd seen some other really dirty stuff go down. You know, they had they had a prosecutor, Berman, that was willing to go for it. Uh, I think he was the AG there. And they're, and they're like, let's let's go for it. 
and they can't even keep him alive in, in a prison that hadn't had a suicide in 13 years. Prison that hadn't had a suicide in 13 years before that. It's where they kept El Chapo. Hey, you, you pay attention to the news? And You know what? Let's do this one live. All right? Because I believe they got El Chapo's son again. Not the first time. I remember when that the police had El Chapo's son. You don't do that. Literal war in the streets breaks out. And just random police officers are killed. I, and I, 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 I hate watching wartime videos, death video. They really disturb me. I don't like them. I've seen some of the cartel videos from that from that segment. They're pretty disturbing and disgusting. So let's see. El Chapo's son. Uh, let's see. Taken. I mean, can you imagine they they actually? Yeah, this is. So they took him into custody again. Let's see. Okay. Uh, Ovidio Guzman. I think. I think. See, this is the second time they've done it. From what I was reading, um, they've they've halted the extradition now after 29 people, at least 29 people are dead. That's what happens when you take El Chapo's son, even though they got Chapo. And they're going to extradite him. 29 people. It's no joke, man. So, so again, for that operation to happen with Chapo and to keep him in a place like that where Chapo doesn't kill himself or nobody has access to him and obviously there's no breakouts and, you know, people aren't getting killed in the streets. That's pretty, I mean, Metro's a serious place, but Epstein kills himself twice. Both times, no cameras. That's the justice system we have. That's the reality. And that's a microcosm for all of it. All right. And that's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. By the way, that should be all over the news. And I barely heard about that in any of the news. And I'm pretty wired in, right? Um, Tucker, Tucker kind of covering, you know, there's basically a civil war going on down in Mexico this week. I saw it there. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. The second time they grabbed this guy. I'm telling you, the first time was no picnic, guys. Videos you'd never want to watch, man. You'd never... I don't know why anybody would want to watch him. I don't know. It's It sucks. I can't imagine having to be a moderator on some of these social media sites. That's another dark aspect of social media no one wants to talk about. Is there are people that are so desensitized and crude. Now, I get the, I get the news angle of it. I want to see the new stuff. I want to see what's going on in other countries. I need that. But there are some people that just post just terrible things all the time. Let's just say that. Like outside of the CP stuff that also needs to be regulated. Um, which is another aspect of this. And then you got to sit there all day and s decide whether this post or that post is... I, I traumatized forever. These people need psychological help afterwards, things they've seen. No bueno. No bueno. So let's talk. Let's wrap this uh, Cosby thing up in a bow. Okay. It was never really a Me Too movement. 
Everything was limited hangout. It was used uh, to cancel certain people of certain persuasions when a lot of these people had done questionable things. I remember at one point they're going after like Scott Baio because he he's a conservative voice. I mean, that's chump change, right? But but it was ammo to go after almost anybody. And when taking out uh, Weinstein, who had the Clinton relationship, who had the Epstein relationship, th- that's letting people know, hey, hey, we'll burn you. <laughs> Shut your mouth. We will burn your ass. And for all the all the people that like to take it a step further and go after the minors, okay, at the same time, this is where Corey Feldman's movement is uh, going further and further. A lot of people were disappointed with uh, the film that he put out. I wasn't. And, and let me tell you why. Because uh, there was some crossover there between An Open Secret and the Corey Feldman film. And him talking about how it was in the industry. Period. That's one. And then two, he actually um, outed Charlie Sheen. And I, and I kind of had a feeling it was going to be Sheen because there had been a couple articles out there. I believe the Daily Mail was one of the few that picked it up. That apparently, you know, Sheen had raped Corey Haim on the set of Lucas. Now, I've met Charlie personally a couple times, a few times. Always very nice to me. It was before all the Tiger Blood stuff. Um, I remember when the Tiger Blood stuff happened on Alex Jones and he was on the phone with Lenny Dykstra, really dark stuff. Um, some of the stuff that's been filed in the divorce papers with Denise Richard, very dark stuff. You know, you want to think the best of people. But I know Hollywood's a dark place. Okay, there's some other things and allegations that are, even Lenny has said about him uh, later on that are... The darkest of the dark. And if you if you can see a guy like that, okay, and, and it, I don't really know the guy. We watched Loose Change in his theater and he gave me some popcorn. You know, and he did help put on that 9-11 conference that coincidentally, now that I I think about it, was just really weird. It was in the same building as like the porn conference. That's where I was in an elevator with like Jenna Jameson's husband or ex-husband at the time. I forget whether like the first or the fourth. Obviously not Tito Ortiz. Uh, I would have uh, known that, but he, that was way before her and Tito, Ron Jeremy, who's got all sorts of sexual assault allegations and a judge is saying he's unfit mentally um, to, I think, be tried, prosecuted in a lot of these cases. I have no idea what, what's going on. He doesn't look good in the, uh, in the courtroom, but that, that's another case, you know, of Holly weird. And there's a guy that really kind of crossed over into the mainstream because of his look and just taking any Hollywood gig he could, right? On top of everything. Talk about a weird culture, man. I don't even know how we got into Ron Jeremy because we got into Charlie Sheen. And and honestly, you know what? That But I'll tell you what, that conference, I'll never forget it because that's the first time that I sat down with a Hollywood producer that was there. And by the way, it's on C-SPAN. Anybody can go check it out. It's just prior to the uh, fifth anniversary of 9-11, how time flies. And at the very, very end of it, when uh, they let people speak at the end, I, I speak as well, trying to rally people to um, to New York City for the fifth anniversary. And that's where I sat down with a Hollywood producer. And they, at the time, told me that, you know, I was, you know when I asked him, told me about Brian Singer and how he'd been to a party where basically Brian Singer 
had this 14-year-old topless boy on like a dog leash at a party. Just rolling around with him. And this is this is before anything had come out about Singer. And I'm just like, oh, well, okay. Oh, I mean, I, at the time it felt like a gut punch because you don't want to hear that about people. Years later, I didn't want to hear that about Sheen. We got to be adults. Santa Claus isn't real. The Tooth Fairy is not a coming. Okay? There's no hibbity-hobbity Easter Bunny. We've got to be adults. We've got to know what we're dealing with. That If on that level, those people can get away with that, what do the billionaires get away with? What is the generational wealth that helps set policy get away with? Well, in a lot of cases, we end up finding out years and years later. We find out the FBI knows that Lord Mountbatten, a quote-unquote, a quote is a uh, what is it? A homosexual with a perversion for young boys. That's how it was phrased those year, years ago. In fact, let's let's type it in. And, and this guy was elevated after this. None was done about it. Uh, Lord Mountbatten, uh, homosexual with a perversion for young boys. You know, I, I have a pretty good memory. I'm sorry, with a lust for not perversion. See, I get them wrong. I'm not perfect. By the way, can we get a hundred thumbs up? Only 150 people watching this morning. We'll be going uh, exclusive at the top of the hour. I have a, a ton of videos that I want to go through, but I've got to kind of curate them for YouTube. And then on the other side, we're going to get really into the DARPA Moderna. Um, 1984 connection, like all that stuff, as well as brain chips, they, you know, telehealth, um, building monitoring systems for all this, all part of the fourth in uh, industrial revolution run by people. Okay. That literally 75 years later, we get to find out in 2019, 75 years late. Isn't that nice of us? That, that's how that, that's how much these guys get protected. Prince Charles' uncle and valued mentor, Lord Mountbatten, was a homosexual with a perversion for young boys, according to a secret dossier. Dossier compiled by the FBI, the intelligence files, described the first Earl Mountbatten of Burma and his wife Edwina as uh, persons of extremely low morals who frequently had extramarital affairs. One source said Mountbatten's penchant for young men made him an unfit man to direct any sort of military operation. He was eventually assassinated uh, by the IRA on his boat with one of his uh, boat boys, by the way. I think like a 16-year-old. There he is. Now, now again, you take a look at someone like this, especially back in the days in a nice suit. He's got a cam it's camouflage. And there he is. Oh, I've got a top hat. Um, yes, Charles. <laughs> yeah, you know, there he is again. And he's put in charge of uh, more commands, okay? It is not known why agents began compiling the dossier, but the FBI has long been known uh, to keep compromising material on high-profile figures, most famously Martin Luther King, but many others. This brings us all the way back to the FBI. Okay, this is... And, and that's, I think, what's happening with, with Biden right now. 
They're getting ready to burn him. They don't want to admit he's mentally incompetent, but they don't want him to run for another four years. They probably, they, they don't want him to go kaput right live on television. And he's already saying just the most over-the-top things like, once again, we're in a post-truth world, okay? And by the way, uh, I've got a clip. When I, when I say we're in a post-truth world, I, I don't take it lightly. I, I mean it. it. It's the real deal. Is this right here? Yes. This guy right here, where is it? Uh, Jared Cohen under Eric Schmidt. Now, Eric Schmidt, he's the Google man, alphabet, you know, ex-CEO, likes to go to Burning Man. Bilderberg steering member. Co-authored with Jared Cohen, another big player in what? The Berg. And I guess that that's a, a second clip we can go to pretty quick. And this is my boys over at uh, We Are Change. And it is this very meeting where they're discussing the post-truth world. And when you read this, okay, the new digital age reshaping the future of people, nations, and businesses. And this is 2013. This is almost a decade old now. They're, they're laying out the blueprints for what they're going to do and bragging about it. It's the problem, reaction, solution stuff. They're telling you they're creating a post-truth world while what? Saying guys like me are misinformation or disinformation. And when you can't label me that because I back up everything I'm saying, right? I source everything I'm saying. I don't just make stuff up about Lord Mountbatten. Then it's malinformation. Oh, you're hurting the state. High-level FBI are gangsters. You see what the... And they work for the other part of the gangsters. The other people in the suits. All right? It's not like an Italian things. And it's so funny. You can talk about, like, every spectrum of gangster. But then you get to a certain level or a certain ethnicity. And you can't act like they have gangsters, too. Like, everybody knows the Yakuza exists. Miller's Crossing is one of my favorite gangster movies of all time. Coen Brothers movie. Uh, John Turturro, uh, a really eerie character. Uh, film sticks with me to this day. A lot of people talk about other Coen Brothers movies. If you've never seen Miller's Crossing, something about that film and, and human nature and, and the fact that it's about Irish gangsters in many cases, right? Like like that. that's the, the running line. Great movie. Great movie. So... This is uh, Jared Co Cohen arriving at Bilderberg 2018, and this is We Are Change getting it done. I think this was out in the Netherlands. Okay, now they do a little a nice dick a dick a do thing, showing you uh, Jared Cohen here. There he is with the Condi. Um, that's Richard Holbrook. You know, there's Eric Schmidt, the guy he wrote the book with. Isn't that nice? There they are, the new digital age holding the book. Isn't that great? And. Again, Google does so many things. Here it is right here. And, uh, you know, nothing special. But they, they come up in their nice little car. They got uh, their driver. They usually have security. You know, they're, they're, this, is, this is where, what's discussed? The post-truth world. This is the spot. Palm trees. Hey, everybody. Let's talk about the post-truth world. That's what we're doing. <laughs> All right. I know we ranted for a while. It is reality rants. And uh, we get going. We get moving. We get off of the subject. Post-truth world is that you should kill yourself. 
I, I wish I was, I wish I was making this up. Now, before I go over two separate stories that should alarm everybody. Okay. I want to take you through where I'm coming from on assisted suicide and euthanasia and quality of life and the whole thing. Okay. First of all, when I was a kid and you saw Jack Kevorkian, the way it was portrayed is you had these people that were just in pain all the time. And all they want to do is die. Right? That's it. And Kevorkian is presented as this, this angel. And later, you know, he, he gets the moniker Angel of Death. And, you know, there's something off about Kevorkian, but he's presented in such a way that you're like, okay, you kind of get behind it. Then you find out that Jack Kevorkian, and they actually made a film, I think Pacino played him. You don't know Jack. I haven't watched the film. Now, um, let me say that. But let's just type in Jack Kevorkian paintings. And the reason I'm going to Kevorkian is because he really started the awareness and the movement all the way back, I want to say in uh, the late 80s, maybe early 90s is where you saw it. Okay? So, you know, beheadings and apple. There he is. There's Jack right there. Very happy about his work. Uh, hey, hey, I'm Jack Kevorkian. <laughs> um, you've got the lovely uh, bunnies, Easter bunnies, cracking open the Easter egg, pulling on what appears to be um, a Jesus character with a halo, praying. Nice, nice little demon bunnies. Um, you got Scratchy McGee here falling down a hole. Uh, the the Mustachio demon. That's nice, isn't it? Let's get to the, which one's this? I want the skull of death. That's that's always a lovely one. That looks like a, um, perhaps a self-portrait actually of, of himself. I'm not sure if that's actually one, one of Jack's right here. Now we're getting into some things. Uh, but like, seriously, is, is that Jack Kevorkian? That might, that looks like it could be a Kevorkian. You know? And it's, it's very possible. So anyway, um, let's just say that Kevorkian <laughs> did some, uh, did some compelling art, if you will. Oh yeah. A lot, a lot of death stuff. Uh, what's this one right here? Is this all Kevorkian right here? Yeah. So here's another one talking about like a, a weird tin man on top of it. So is that also, uh, you know what? Let's not let's not let's not do too much. I know this one is a Kevorkian. I've seen a lot of them. And plenty of Kevorkian to look at. Okay. So you find that out, and that's you're like, all right, that's a little disturbing. But at the time, I'm still thinking there aren't really people that believe in the devil. Or, you know, there's nobody in power that practices Satanism, and there's no power in the occult. There's certainly not an owl god in the woods with a bunch of supposed Christian conservatives meeting, right? And they certainly didn't hatch the uh, Manhattan Project there. And nuclear warfare, right? That couldn't be... Oh. Oh, okay. So it's a little darker than that. And then, over the years, not only has it been glamorized, but then it ends up being, what, institutionalized. That's where it gets really bizarre to me. 
I'm like, wow, now, now we're not saying, okay, it's time for you to, you know, make a decision. And, and if you want to do it on your own, great. Right. Well, we're, we'll figure it out. Now it's being normalized and there's commercials about it. And we're going to go to one former Obama official. And I remember him talking about this years ago. He's like, I want to die at 75. I'm talking about him. And then this woman out in Canada that just can't wait to kill people. That's how, that's the best way I can tell you. Now, I want people to understand there have been nurses that just randomly killed patients in hospitals, got away with it for a long time. In fact, we'll do it live. Uh, nurse convicted of purposely killing patients, convicted of killing patients. All right. The good nurse. Okay. Is, is this, is this something different than, uh, uh, right here, because we, we've got, uh, this is the third, this is the one I was talking over the next decade, Kellon jumped from hospital to hospital, killing patients wherever he went in September, 2002, he started working at Somerset medical center where he went on a year long killing spree and left at least 13 patients dead. So they think that this person killed up to 400. My God. That person right there. I mean, there's some sick people out. You can't judge other people, okay, by what you would do. We're not talking about, first of all, hospital is probably one of the least, uh, <laughs> least safe places to be unless you're there for trauma. Uh, the amount of medical malpractice that costs people their lives inside of a hospital it's one of the leading causes of death in this country. But then, okay, I mean, this is another person. No, another person. Texas nurse guilty of killing patients by injecting them with air. William Davis, 37, was convicted of capital murder uh, by a jury on Tuesday. Come on, pop up. And now could face the death penalty. All right? You understand? Um, the men aged between 47 and 74 experienced seizure-like symptoms and died from fatal brain damage after the air was injected into them. So not like an anomaly, abnormal, call it what you want, but not really isolated. Some people in the medical field enjoy killing people, maybe enjoy a little torture. That's aside from the people that are just in it for the money and they're going to take the scratch. Right? Plenty of those people too. But you got literal psychopaths and serial killers in there. Okay? But since everything is about Mother Gaia and instituting new religions and getting rid of God and telling you you're, um, you know, a manimal, right? You're toxic. We got to take control of the human species. Got to regulate everything. Got to regulate the carbon for Mother Earth. They've been selling you on this idea. It's the best thing since breakfast. Now, think. I want you also to think about this. When I was a kid, all that was talked about is modern medicine is a marvel. We're going to cure cancer. Cancer shot through the roof. Total inversion. Total opposite of what was supposed to happen. We're going to live so much longer. No. 
We're not. In fact, I, I would say this as a kid in 43, you know, we growing up in the eighties and nineties, you kind of had this expectation that easily, you know, you're going to coast into like 80 and then from 80, if you could make it to a hundred, wow, good for you. But you're going to coast into that. You had a high life expectancy. Uh, that was going to be no, no problem. And with technology, who knows, maybe you'd live more than a hundred. And right now there is a lot of, um, open technology out there that is youth driven. I mean, you look at somebody like Stallone, right? Stallone's got his own TV show at like 75, right? How, how old is Stallone? He's on all sorts of uh, rich guy drugs, the testosterone, HGH. I'm sure he's doing the stem cells, doing everything. Uh, let's see. Uh, Stallone, you know, you don't have to type in anything else. That's Sylvester, 76 years old. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of Botox in there. But he's 76 years old. You know, Jack LaLanne was in great shape at, at 76. Jack LaLanne, I believe, did live to be over 100. But this guy's doing entertainment and movies. And I remember there was this period in his, uh, I think, transition into his 50s, right? where he wasn't big and he, and he was doing straight to uh, DVD movies, et cetera, et cetera, before the big comebacks with the Expendables and Rocky and all those other things. And he talked about, hey, I'm getting older. I'm going to have to take you know other roles and slow it down. Not, not so much. So that technology, in, in a sense, has um, definitely improved the quality of life of somebody like that that's willing to do the work. But is it going to bring him to 100? I doubt it. Yeah, maybe. You know, you had... Uh, Mel Gibson's father lived to well over a hundred. I think it was like 103 or four when he went and Gibson's on the same, um, kind of drugs and path as Sylvester Stallone. He's throwing it out there. I mean, that's, that's the reality, but that's not for most of us. And again, it's not really an extension. And that's why transhumanism is two different things. You got, uh, Jared Kush, Kush, Kushner out there talking about how his generation will be the first to live forever, the last to die. When he says that, he means like the bourgeois that he hangs out with, the other billionaire crew. While the rest of us take transhumanism, where we assimilate into a slave system of the internet of bodies, which we're really going to focus on today. Like that's going to be, uh, that was supposed to be the main meat and potatoes of the broadcast. Certainly will be once we go over to the other side. Because I've got this clip of uh, the dude that does the Valuetainment podcast uh, Patrick bet, whatever, you know, uh, I forget what his last name, Patrick bet David and just owning Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I, and I want to expose Neil deGrasse Tyson for the type of fraud he is. And he's a fraud. I can't play that here because I'll probably get a strike for it. Uh, also have a clip of Thomas Massey talking about Wanda and all the mandates out there. And there's still a lot of mandates. I just want to say that probably can't play that here. Uh, I also want to play the psychological warfare campaign that your cousin from Boston hate and lie shot video along with some Sesame Street, uh, some DARPA and uh, Tuckster with Glenn Beck. I think that's important. Some Yoval. We got that going on. Some Gates germ team, fourth industrial revolution stuff. And then you have monitoring systems, right? We've been playing some of that stuff. Uh, but a couple of new Internet of Bodies videos as well. Maybe we will play those on this end. And maybe we'll play 
Jason Whitlock talking about how this is really satanic. And it is. And I'm not coming at that from, uh, you know, go to church and, you know, pray to Jesus Christmas. Or you, you can do those things. I'm not here to tell you that those are bad things. But what Satanism really is, whether you believe it or not, and by the way, SatanCon, I forgot to go over this one yesterday. Uh, let's find SatanCon. Where are you? Oh, oh not there. Let's see what we got here. That's, no, I want to do that one too. Here it is. SatanCon 2023 is dedicated to Boston Mayor Michelle Wu after Satanic Temple was barred from delivering invocation at City Hall. Largest Satanic gathering in history will feature rituals, marriages, and discussion panels. Now look, here's my thing. I'm all about free speech. They should they should be allowed to be around. I want people to show themselves. There's a really great documentary out there called Hail Satan on these guys. And at first you're almost sympathetic that this is all like a troll thing. These are the people like that's the Baphomet statue with the sh with the uh, children below. Yeah, this one right here. Hey, look, it's the good old Baphomet. Yay, fantastic. <laughs> Just whatever. They should be allowed to exist. But then as the movie progresses, you see them doing these weird dark rituals. They end up kicking one woman out because um, she basically calls for violence against a political figure, um, you know, which they should have done. But then what really turned my stomach was the fact that these guys had little satanic um, coloring books they were trying to give to children in a school, in a library. That's not fun and games to me. I don't like that. Uh, and, and you could say what, say what you will. Um, that, that shows me there's a lot more to it than a troll and the, and the ritual stuff. Then you start really getting to look at it and you're like, okay, weird, not for me that this is the inversion of reality. They're going after children. Uh, hail Satan, go watch it. So, Here's a, a Whitlock and Tuck Tuck clip where they talk about this. And, and to me, again, this isn't just the left, all right? I think a lot of people on the left have been fooled because a lot of people on the, on the left have become um, militarily anti-God, right? Militarily evolutionary. And in turn, they except like this sliding scale of morality that's based in social Darwinism and they're trained to do so, whether they realize it or not. And I'm not saying you have to believe a certain thing or be a part of a certain religion to have um, a, a good sense of morals. Don't, don't get it twisted. Just saying that a lot of those people have been manipulated and it is part of this post-truth world agenda. So let's play this. This is uh, Whitlock talking about uh, the satanic nature of reality. It's about, I don't know, it could be five, six months old at this point. ...and destroying this country. What, what do you think, I've always wondered this, like what is the actual support for the ideas? Not, you know, do you like Trump or Biden, but for example, do you think men can get pregnant? Or do you think some races are morally superior to other races? Like the core idea is the Democratic Party. How many Americans actually believe that stuff, would you guess? I don't think 5% of America believes it, maybe 10%. Yeah. I, I don't know. Tucker, I'm going to say something that's difficult to unpack in this short amount of time, but it's what I truly believe. 
I think a lot of what the left supports is satanic. I'm just sorry. It's it's in direct yeah. objection to God and in direct objection to the Judeo-Christian values that were at the foundation of this country. And those Christian values are why we made so much progress in terms of freedom and humanity and the way we treat everybody. Yes, it was hard, but our Christian values compelled us to sacrifice our lives for the freedoms of other Americans, of slaves. And, and through the civil rights movement, our Christian values compelled us to take risks and fight for equality and the equality of opportunity for everybody. I, I just... I see a lot of what's going on here is, I'm just sorry, I'm a man of faith. I was raised in the church. This stuff is satanic. That That's what's at the foundation of a lot of this stuff. Well, I'm a pretty mild Protestant personally, but I completely agree with you, especially the gender stuff. When you say you can change your own gender by wishing it, you're saying you're God. Well, I'll tell you right now, again, it's part of a transhuman agenda. And, and by the way, Baphomet is that androgynous being. Uh, I'm actually the, the, I'm kind of surprised that this uh, version of the the Baphomet statue doesn't have the mini breasts, and they've cloaked the uh, um, what what is I, I believe could be is maybe female genitalia. I'm not I'm not quite sure. Uh, the, I think the point was really to bring it home. Man, I was watching uh, more of that NASA stuff, and they were doing this presentation, and you, you look at the pentagram. And out of nowhere in the presentation, they slipped in this pentagram. And I, I'll probably find it again. It was like, again, this is a five-hour thing. Um, but it, it's pretty wild, the symbolism that our government agencies have. But again, Satanism to me, again, is the inversion of reality. It is the post-truth world that we live in. So let's just wrap this up. And that is satanic. I, I completely agree. You know. Anyway, Jason Whitlock, I, Tucker, one of the you, few people who will say something like that on you, TV, and I appreciate it. Thank you, Tucker. Thank you, Tucker. The Tuckins, everybody. Old Tuckins. So there's another story. Um, although we really didn't hit this enough. Let, let's let, let's hit this guy. I showed it quick. Why I'm ready to die at 75. The White House oncologist and Obamacare architect, 65, who will refuse all medical treatment, even antibiotics, in 10 years. Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel says that he will refuse all medication when he turns 75, I'm just going to die. I'm a burden on society. And a lot of people will say, hey, at least he's taught, he's walking the walk, Jason. By the way, we got 200 plus watching. Can we get the thumbs up? And if you're over on the Rumble, can we get the thumbs up? Share the links with others. A world-renowned oncologist and one of the architects of Obamacare will refuse any medication in 10 years. And we had architects of Obamacare. Obamacare brought in the idea of limiting what you could get, right? Oh, we're going to give health care to everybody. That's the problem with state-run health care. They decide what you get and when you get it. And then if you don't want to do the things they want you to do, you don't get it anymore. You're labeled a pariah. Oh, that could never happen, Jason. Oh, it happened. And meanwhile, this guy here, he says... <laughs> Uh, Emmanuel, who served on the Obama and Biden administrations, says there is also a lack of dignity when aging past 75. Tell that to, tell that to Stallone. I mean, sure, Stallone's on the sauce, 
But he's exercising, he's styling, he's profiling. Okay? And he's in great shape. They don't want you to know these things. They're like, you know what? At 75, cut it off. We had expectations to live past 100 and healthy. And guys like the Kush Kush are telling you they could live forever. This guy's telling you, die. Die. How about you die? Right? When Bill Gates talks about death panels, again, Obamacare, death panels, euthanasia is a great choice for you. Right? And when you look at the uh, thumbnail I did, that's a real suicide pod next to him. Yeah, it doesn't have the the uh, water droplets on it. But you know what? <laughs> you had the suicide machines in Futurama. Great uh, meme put out there by uh, Truthstream Media that I saw and I retweeted. That's real. They want more euthanasia. And this woman um, who's just so proud of herself, okay? It's the most rewarding work we've ever done. Canadian doctor who's euthanized 400 people proudly shares how she helped kill a man deemed incapable of choosing assisted suicide. And, and as another physician says, he's helped 300 people die. Okay. A Canadian doctor who's personally euthanized more than 400 people said she helped kill a man who was previously deemed unsuitable for assisted suicide. Just these are the best people ever. Ellen Weeb, a doctor who works with Dying with Dignity Canada, boasted in a seminar for physicians working in assisted suicide about the time she treated a patient who did not qualify for the end-of-life service. A medical assistance in dying uh, assessor had rejected the unnamed man because he did not have a serious illness or the capacity to make informed decisions about his own personal health. But the man eventually made uh, his way to Weeb, who cleared him, flew him out to Vancouver, and euthanized him. It's the most rewarding work we've ever done. <laughs> I mean, Stephanie Green, a colleague of Webb, also revealed that she's helped 300 people die in Canada's controversial MAID program, which eclipses similar programs here in the United States. It's a movement. They want you dead. And the way the people at the top think about it is if you're dumb enough to go along with it, right? If you're dumb enough to go along with their hate and lies, you deserve it. They're social Darwinists. I do want to thank the folks over at Rockman that have been tipping T-Can and Tina Hagen. Couldn't do it without you. Really do appreciate that support. Hope that you are uh, enjoying the making sense of the madness bits. I'll be doing uh, my segment on making sense of the madness, although it's only a 30-minute segment, and I'm not the host later today. I think they put that out either today or tomorrow. Not quite sure what we're going to be discussing yet, but looking forward to that because there's another outlet that allows me to say whatever I want. Isn't that nice when you can say whatever you want, right? I had somebody in the chat on uh, Rockfin, you know, I guess he, he was Gone for a while. Saw the Red Voice Media. Really, Jason? Real Red Voice Media? Really? Yeah. An outlet that allows me to express myself any way I want, cover any story I want. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then actually financially support me. Thank you. That's why it's so big when you guys come over to redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored or slash Jason and you spend the 10 bucks a month or you've plunked down uh, the hundred beans for the year because that ensures that this show is going to keep going. And how many people are really covering this stuff? I'm sure, you know, somewhere you'll hear a blurb about the Cosby thing, but who's going to go in depth like that? Okay. And yeah, you know, Infowars.com will cover the euthanasia stuff. And Alex Jones is able to reach a certain amount of people. But hopefully there's a different dimension and element here that we can talk about. And, you know, we can illustrate right on the screen in real time uh, this movement of, of death and darkness. And, and the movement of command and control they re really want to get the rest of us under. Because... What we're really going to be talking about in the next hour when we go over, we're, we're, there's I want to play the Massey videos, tons of videos. You're really going to want to come over. You're at least going to want to go listen to it over at the infowarrior.podbean.com. Okay, I can assure you of that. But RAND, uh, brain-computer interfaces, uh, the Internet of Bodies. I played the Internet of Bodies clip many a time here. There's uh, a new clip out that I had not seen and actually an article. Let's see if we can find that right over here. Uh, we'll also be going over this lovely, why we still need cryptocurrency for an internet of value. That's the track trace database system being integrated into the financial system for your social credit score and then your carbon credit score, right? To integrate all that. And then on top of it, layer the good old tasty internet of bodies. And Mary Lee here, this is the kind of like the face of Rand's uh, Internet of Bodies, okay? Uh, this is an article uh, that's over at the National uh, Press Foundation. Beyond smartwatches and pacemakers, new devices collect biometric data uh, with patchy regulation. Voice of reason, right? This is the voice of reason here. And even, maybe, maybe we'll show that video. We have shown it before, but I want to show the new video first on the Internet of Bodies. And then maybe we'll do the RAND Corporation thing because you got to understand RAND is also actively involved in utilizing this for warfare and U.S. military applications. And they're telling you in this that they're going to have injectables. Injectables where they can remotely control soldiers and programs where they have injectables that stop soldiers from shooting to miss. In other words, having a human element and also helping them find out who might be terrorists or terrorist sympathizers from within. So when Rand warns you about this, they're writing white papers how it's going to be exploited. They're also talking about swarm drones being used uh, not by internal uh, brain-computer interfaces, but wearables. We've talked about that. So let's uh, let's jump back over to this uh, Internet of Bodies clip, Our Connected Future, right here. All right, so there's Our Connected Future. We got artificial pancreas, um, the brain interfaces, implantable uh, stents, electronic health records, sensor-equipped wearable prosthetics, seizure monitors, body implanted sensors. And, and basically, you know, you, you look at this, and these are slides, but implantable microchips, Store information, open doors, or pay for goods. They're telling you. And meanwhile, they mocked people who dared say 
that this was an agenda. And then they put out the false story. There were people saying, oh, the hate and lie shots have them in them, right? And they made a big joke about it. And, and Gates himself joked about it. Funny, funny, ha ha. Ha ha, funny, funny. Look at that one. I want to I get that one back. Mental and emotional censors. Assess mental and emotional states through facial expressions and voice intonation. So in other words, the magic device here, it's going to hear how you emote. And then if you're sitting in a place with a webcam or a smart TV with a camera or really anywhere, it's going to integrate with your face. It's going to let them know how you feel. And you're not, you don't even have an implantable or a wearable on. You know, there's the wearable health trackers, wearable neuro devices, right? They got the nice Photoshop right here. Is that, is that the end of it? Nope. Here's the benefits and risks. Better management of health. Cybersecurity is a risk. No kidding. See, they're always going to, you notice how there's more already benefits behind us here. Improved efficiency, improved performance, assistance with people with disabilities. Oh, cybersecurity, data privacy, uh, sensitive data collection, possession, or dissemination of. Yeah, that could never be corrupted. Never something we're working about. Convenience. Uh, bodily dependence on devices for health functional purposes. Yeah, that is a big risk. That is. You know? Uh, coercion to accept devices. That is a big risk. And, and like I said, this woman, even in this other piece that we've played before here, she breaks it down. It looks like we're the other. Looks like we're just going to do this piece, and then on the other side, you can watch that piece and so many more. You're going to watch Thomas Massey talk about ending all the mandates. You're going to you're going to see Neil deGrasse Tyson shill for the Defense Department, whether he's aware of it to, or not. I, I really wish somebody would call him out on what I would call him out on. DARPA, Glenn Beck, okay, implantables, more more of the Internet of Body stuff. This is what we talk about here. We talk about the very real technology that's out there, the push to get you to accept this technology. All right, the people behind it. In fact, it's another thing we want to get into. We haven't we haven't done. Um, <clears throat> we want to get into the list of those uh, that are going to be attending Davos. And by the way, uh, this is on Rand's own website. This video right here. I want to reiterate that. I didn't just somebody didn't just slap it together. Um, it's on Rand's own YouTube page. You know, it's it's basically a glorified PowerPoint presentation. Here's where they uh, they break down a lot of the slides. It's right here. Isn't that great? Body implanted sensors, tissue integrated biosensors under development may provide more precise and events, uh, expansive bio tracking than traditional wearables. Okay, we're going to show you some of those implantable sensors and much more on the other side. This is where I am going to cue the guys to uh, bring us into the, uh, the premium portion of the broadcast. All right, so let, let's go over to premium as I say goodbye to uh, a bunch of you here. Let's start with, uh, let's see if we can get there, Rockfin. Thank you so much uh, for keeping it real. Again, a bunch of exclusive stuff over on Rockfin as well, so at least follow me there for free. Uh, you can also check out the premium stuff if you are a premium member. Okay. Hopefully, uh, we're there. And uh, I'm going to wait for my text before we really get it going. Uh, but we can jump in between both the uh, video presentation here. 
okay? And then, uh, you know, I love everybody's so diverse. Let's just go back up. First one is like this. It looks like it's a young Asian girl, but who knows? It could be a trans Asian man. I, I have no idea. The gender identity is tough on that one. Are there breasts? Aren't there? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you guys know. But then we got right down. This is an Asian man. Yeah, look at that alpha, huh? Like he's, he's bringing back the uh, wham look, that George Michael wham look. And it looks like we are now good to go. So we're still going to scroll down. We're going to get real diverse here. Um, this is your uh, essential left-leaning. I hate to I hate to do it. Maybe conservative. But once again, either a middle-aged woman or an unhappy trans man. I'm not sure. <laughs> It's like kind of a pantsuit, but it's not. Like, what? what is the lanyard for? Is that a look? Is It's certainly not a tie. There's some business shoes. But uh, you got. I didn't read this one. Tooth-mounted RFID sensors under development would track information on glucose, salt, and alcohol consumed by the user. When I warn everybody, they want to regulate every little thing about your life, not just the track trace database stuff, but the stuff under your skin, but then also what you're allotted, what you're allotted to put in your own body, you bet your ass. And they're going to demand you put other things in your body. Um, th these are what I have focused on. Uh, apparently this is Ilhan Omar's cousin. Uh, brain computer in interfaces, BCIs, that use electrodes that connect signals from the brain to a computer. Decades, decades. In fact, do I got it? I do. Let's lean right in and you grab that. Okay. I'm just going to say it right there. There it is right there. Boom. The minds of men, the minds of men, the minds of men. If you don't know about the minds of men, now you do. True Stream Media, amazing documentary. I hope you're checking out my documentaries as well, but the minds of men, really important uh, documentary. Clothing with Censored. Okay. We got the in-charge boss black woman here. This is, uh, you know, Lizzo with a bit, a little more hizzo in the top right here. Okay? Clothing with sensors. Old nut schwab just can't get enough of that either, right? Sensors everywhere. And then in your body, fourth industrial revolution changes you. You get it? I mean, freestanding infusion pumps. Now, some of these things are great. You, you do want something like this. A programmable infusion pump that does error reduction systems uh, are now com commonly used in hospitals for intravenous uh, medication delivery. Good. It's a good thing. Let's see. Are we just... What, what's this other text I'm getting? Oh, I'm not sure. Sorry, folks. Just checking the phone on air. Shouldn't be doing it. But that's, I also get a lot of the... Uh, the Tipsky and Hutch information, um, they come through on there too. So that's always a, a big plus. I'm able to uh, thank the gang that is supporting me uh, financially. I wish that Rumble had a tip system. Kind of can't believe they can't. Uh, they don't. Implantable cardiac devices. Now, these are not traditional pacemakers. And again, I'm not against technology um, that is in there and essentially is empowering human beings. But these are the ones that are now going to be hooked up to devices 
that are going to monitor them all the time. And I think allow for the accessibility of nefarious activity on a level we can't imagine. Anything hooked up to the internet that has these type of devices um, can be hacked. Ingestible digital pills. All the way back in 2017, the FDA approved the first digital pill. Uh, it is a Ripperizerol tablets with an ingestible sensor embedded in the pill that records that the medication was taken. You will take your medication. We actually played the clip yesterday of uh, an individual talking about that. I mean, I haven't commented on the people much. You know, you, after we had the Lizzo, you, you got your could be an immigrant older guy, right? He's got the cane, um, th definitely the hat for it, but it's kind of ambiguous. Yeah, they just check all the boxes, you know, um, you know, in shape, young uh, Zoomer or millennial black guy with his with his pants pulled up, right? He's like on the beach. He doesn't need to wear shoes. Then you have uh, overalls woman, kind of hip, taking the indigestible pills. Now, now you've really got like the younger, hipper, I'm kind of a woman, but I could be non-binary. Um, with the sensor-equipped hospital beds. Hey! Hey! Meet me out later for a mojito. And now, at, 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 towards the bottom, where you got wearable health trackers, you got your traditional old white guy. And traditional old white guy over here, he's also got a cane. And now you got traditional... Uh, <laughs> traditional young uh, white guy wearing neuro devices that are wearables that monitor your brain activity and stimulate the brain through electrical signals. This is also something I want to emphasize that the technology, just like I was talking about uh, swarms of drones being already uh, utilized by the military where you wear these headgears and then you, you control them. This technology is not new either. It's real. So then you have to ask yourself if this is real, and you can have an interface where you wear something and that interacts with a computer. Why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we doing that instead of trying to promote a Neuralink uh, via the Defense Department, again, the Minds of Men, and Elon Muskernuts? Because they want inside you. Once they're in, they're in. Oh, don't worry, you're going to be able to get it out. Yeah, with brain surgery. In your little robot kiosk. Great. Awesome. Can't wait to have it happen. And some people say, hey, he's making the white. No, this is the A-OK. -okay. Can't wait for it, guys. How they twisted that into some kind of weird white power symbol, I'll never know. But <laughs> I'm going to check out when it comes to brain chips or any type of chip or any type of uh, pill that has an, an, a sensor in it. Just me, okay? So I guess from here, uh, it would make sense just to play uh, this woman who just had that article out there, Mary Lee, talking about the Internet of Bodies. And again, warning you. You know, at, at the same time, they're, they're writing the uh, Defense Department stuff. They are warning you about a lot of the problems with these types of devices. So... Let's go to that clip right now. In the 20th century, wireless technology integrated with the human body was nothing more than science fiction. 
But today, Wi-Fi connected devices like heart rate monitors and sleep trackers have become common parts of American life. How has bionic technology evolved so quickly from science fiction to reality? And what could this internet of bodies mean for our lives moving forward? RAND researchers are studying this phenomenon and what consumers and policymakers need to know as we veer into uncharted territory. The Internet of Bodies, or IOB, is, um, is actually an ecosystem. It's a bunch of devices that are connected to the internet that contain software and that either collect personal health data about you or can alter the body's function. We think of the Internet of Bodies as this collection of all these devices as well as all the data that the devices are gathering about you. And in healthcare, it's Internet of Bodies has, has been around for quite a while. With the advent of the internet, it makes a lot of sense to connect your pacemaker to the internet so that your doctor can be automatically notified if, if something weird happens, if there's an anomaly. It's natural in a lot of ways to want to understand more about your body, how it functions, how well it's doing. IOB devices could revolutionize healthcare. Unprecedented amounts of personal health data could inform treatment plans that are completely tailored to a patient's needs. There are pills now that have an electronic sensor that let a healthcare provider know whether you have taken the medication. Other things like precision medicine. So precision medicine is the idea of, of creating pharmaceuticals or treatment like specifically for your body, for your personalized treatment. And I think IOB could really help with that because nowadays a lot of healthcare is, is based more on, you know, average reactions, whereas with data from IOB devices, you might be able to, to really more precisely treat a certain disease. But the Internet of Bodies won't be a cure-all. In fact, the largely unregulated market poses risks to the uniquely sensitive data these devices collect. First of all, there's, there's the cyber risk of, of, uh, you know, of an actor potentially um, hacking into the system, whatever it might be. There's the privacy risk of all this data that's being collected and the regulations about that data are, are really murky at the moment. And so there's not a lot of clarity into who owns the data, what happens to it, who it gets sold to, how it's being used. And there's even potentially national security and global security risks. A few examples of these risks have already played out in real life. For instance, in 2018, highly sensitive information about U.S. military activity and base locations was inadvertently revealed by soldiers' fitness trackers. So this is a pivotal moment. What can we do to make sure we reap the potential benefits of the Internet of Bodies without risking our privacy, security, and personal autonomy? Consumers should be wary of IOB devices because as it's becoming more and more popular, all of this intimate data is being collected, arguably more intimate data than we've ever really recorded before. There's no clarity on what is being done with that data. You know, with, a, with an old mechanical pacemaker, there's no data that, that was being collected and stored. And you, you know, you could look at a history of someone's um, heart rhythms. Because policy tends to lag behind innovative technologies like this, it's probably up to the consumers and to the, the healthcare patients to really be aware of 
the devices that they're using and what is happening to their data and to, to know what the regulations are in their particular state because it does vary so much state by state. Even if you think you're not interesting or that nothing will happen with your data, there are a lot of unknowns that I think we need to be careful about. Uh, and I appreciate that. Not that a lot of people are even aware of this, not a lot of people are watching this, but at least, you know, they have their honesty out. Well, it's not really regulated. Nobody knows what they're going to do with it. You know, you, uh, you, you might want to take a step back. No kidding. No kidding. So a couple of clips here uh, that, I, that I also want to get behind and play um, are via the hate and lies shots and the mandates. And here is, this is why Thomas Massey should be Speaker of the House. And this is why, you know, Kentucky has two of the the best people in the uh, political arena in this country, in Massey and Paul, period. For what purpose does the gentleman from Kentucky seek recognition? Mr. Speaker, I ask unanimous consent to address the House for one minute. Without objection, the gentleman is recognized for one minute. Last month, we ended the vaccine mandate for the military, but there's still many unscientific, illogical, unconstitutional mandates for vaccines in this country. If you watched C-SPAN last week, you saw 434 of us in here, screaming, yelling, cheering, speaking, many of us unvaccinated. Most of us probably not boosted. So why do we have a double standard? Why do we make visitors to this country get vaccinated just to come visit their friends and family? Why are we separating families over this? We need to end that mandate. We need to end the health care mandate. We need to end all of the mandates and we need to do this now. I yield back. Damn straight. Every one of them. Every single mandate. Any idea they're still an emergency. Period. Uh, 100% behind Massey. Um, this is one nine. I, I should have been playing this yesterday. How it just came to my attention. Obviously, I want to thank the Burmese Brigade for giving me all sorts of good tips over in my DMs and my ats. I do appreciate that. I don't cover it all, but I try to cover what I can. And that's why I'm going to play this clip next. And I, again, I, I kind of wanted to play that on YouTube. The V words in there, you know, the WHO is like, Hey, mandate anything. They're the authoritative source that can get me taken down. Okay. So here's an example of real misinformation and malinformation that is costing lives, period. They're the ones costing the lives. They're the ones lying about everything. And DeGrasse Tyson is really, he's one of those weasels. He's one of those weasels. Oh, your own body, your own body. Sorry. If you want to get an abortion, get an abortion. If I want to get the vaccine, I get to choose. So you can't force, if, if I can't force you to get an abortion, you shouldn't be able to force because me to get Because it's the, not about you. I, I, and, and I, this argument is such bullshit. And what he should have done to call him out on it is, well, what about natural immunity? Are we going to acknowledge natural immunity if this was really about protecting the other guy? Are we going to acknowledge someone that has natural immunity, Neil? No, you're a piece of crap. It's about people you interact with, and that's the social contract of public but we health. Don't, we don't even know if the vaccine worked or not at the time. Yes, that's what the trials are. I, I, like, I can't even believe. Like, th this is what I mean. This guy knows he's lying. W worked. They didn't do anything. To help anybody. Let me repeat that. Okay. 
And this is another thing I couldn't say if I was over on hate tube. They didn't do anything positive for anybody at all. They were hate and lies shots driven by the Defense Department with a partnership of the Defense Department and DARPA with Moderna and other people via the strategic mRNA collaboration back in 2013. Can we act like goddamn adults? All right? Can we act like goddamn adults? And they weren't vaccines. They were hate and lies, mRNA, CRISPR-driven shots. So the, the cover of Time Friggin' Magazine in January of 2021 mRNA technology gave us the first COVID-19 vaccines. It could also uh, upend the drug industry. And now they're trying to put it in everything. In everything. Okay? Come on. G give me a break. Just un unreal. DARPA awards Moderna Therapeutics a grant for up to $25 million to develop mRNA. To do what? Fight pandemics and bioweapons attacks. It's right here. Okay, they put it on their own damn website. Okay? And, and they did exactly what they said they were going to do during the COVID-1984 nightmare. They sequenced this thing in two to three days. They handed it off to Musk and Tesla and they started printing it up. This grant is part of a DARPA program called ADEPT. Okay, ADEPT Protect, Autonomous Diagnostics to Enable Prevention and Therapeutics, Prophylactic Options to Environmental and Contagious Threats. ADEPT Protect! The goal is to develop platform technologies. This is a platform technology that can be deployed safely and rapidly, safe and effective, to provide the U.S. population with near immediate protection against emerging infectious diseases and engineered biological weapons engineered biological weapons, even in the case when the pathogen of the infection is unknown. Okay? And then they partnered with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, with the uh, Karolinska Institute, the Institute Pasteur, BARDA, Vertex, Merck, AstraZeneca, all here. All part of the strategic collaboration program on Moderna, or I'm sorry, on the mRNA. They tell you in this ex-economy article how different the technologies are. I told everybody, do not take the hate and lies. Do not take the hate and lies. And again, Tesla, to make molecule, uh, molecule printers for the COVID-19 vaccine developer CureVac. Not a car company, folks. Muskernuts is the agenda. You, you had... You had traces of HIV, like genetic HIV material, ACE3 receptor, furin cleavage site, in the virus. And then they're going to, and you know that's an engineered virus. And then what, they're going to inject you? And you even had, um, again, people inside. Doctors say CDC should warn people of the side effects from COVID vaccine shots. Won't be a walk in the park. Won't be a walk in the park. And provided what? No protection whatsoever from infection. And then you could still transmit it. And you got this guy, okay, this piece of filth, 
Neil deGrasse Tyson telling you that the trials showed that these things worked. No. Yeah, they worked for what they wanted to depopulate Neil. To project hate and lies on the public, Neil. Dude, that's why these trials... What, are you missing data out but, there? But let me ask you a question. Are we saying only one type of scientists are right? No, we're saying that the system in place... The 16,000 oh, that signed that... No, no, no. The, the system in place to test vaccines... Yeah. Th th there's an entire system that's in place. A and they didn't go by that system at all. I, I can show, and we played it on the show, you know, Fauci admitting five, ten years it usually takes to approve these things. And Moderna was going nowhere fast. And mRNA wasn't passing human trials, whether it was for this or anything else. But boy, they fast-tracked it for COVID-1984. Neil deGrasse Tyson has helped kill people. He's actually done it. All right? They'll say people like me. Ooh, our, our misinformation and disinformation cost lives. No, guys like this actively helped get people murdered. People that are still dying today because of the amount of injections and the type of injections that they've taken. That this guy is a not a good person. That that with review boards and all of this, yeah, the average that's in place. Now you can say you can what you can say is I I have a better idea than all these review boards and all these agencies and the CDC. I have a better idea. Here's what you should do and that would have made everything better. Uh, again, people did try to say that. Said, hey, stop restricting us from treating our patients with antibiotics and vitamin C and vitamin D. Stop restricting ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Make monoclonal antibodies widely available from people that have recovered from the virus. No, 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 no. Remdesivir. No, 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 no. Ventilators, death, death, death. And then let's regulate them and bring them into this system of the internet of bodies, essentially. Let's get them used to a biomedical tyranny with a nice little vaccine passport, nice little card, nice little digital QR code on your phone. Big time psychological warfare campaign this guy was a part of. Okay, you can put forth that idea. But what I'm saying is, in a case where you can contaminate someone else, it's not about you. Bullshit. It's always about you. They always want to take away your individualism. Even if this guy were telling you the truth, which he's not, the shots did nothing to stop infection. Their definition of fully vaccinated gave them a window where two weeks after the vaccination, you could infect somebody you weren't fully vaccinated. Right? You only had like a four-week window where you're fully vaccinated and then you needed a booster or something else. That's not a lie. That's how they gamed the numbers. They gamed the numbers. Guys like me that had no intention of taking the hate and the lies and no intention of injecting the hate and lies, no regrets. Ask, ask some of the other people that have done it that haven't felt so great. Okay? Now, you can't ask some people because they've died suddenly, haven't they? Haven't they, Neil? I, my conscience is clear, man. I, I'm, I'm telling you, that another thing you should have said to this guy, other than the natural immunity, is does the Defense Department lie? 
Well, what do you mean? Does the, does the Defense Department lie? These are driven by the Defense Department. I just showed you that. You can't argue it. He loves DARPA. They're the best. It's about the collective you're assuming, health. You're assuming. You're assuming because somebody can take the vaccine uh, won't get COVID, which, by the way, I don't need to play the clips for you to see it where everybody said, hey, if you get it, you're not going to get If you take the vaccine, you're not going to get a Rachel Maddow, Joe Biden. I can give you Fauci. I can give you fit. And you've seen these clips before. It's not like you've never seen it before. Yeah, yeah. What happened? They was, were wrong. Hold on. So, so, um, the strain evolved. Everybody knew that. And, and your evolution of the strain bullshit is more repackaged Bernaysian nonsense. Delta Omicron. We played the XBBB 1.5 Jimmy Fallon dance along. Bullshit. Johnny nonsense. They knew this. From the beginning, strain of all. There is no excuse for what they've done to people. Except for the fact they were running a large-scale biological warfare and psychological warfare operation on the planet. That's the reality. Period. All right. I want to play uh, a clip from Biden saying Facebook isn't killing people. Okay. He's... Now, retracting his, his statement because Facebook was allowing certain misinformation and disinformation about um, vaccines that was causing vaccine hesitancy. But this was, in fact, Facebook did help kill people. I want to make that very clear by censoring people like me. They absolutely, just like this guy, aided in the murder, in the murder of a bunch of people. Let me be precisely what I said. I'm glad you asked me that question. One, I had just read that on the Facebook, Facebook pointed out that... Again, an embar this is an old clip. It's embarrassing. The man can't speak. You think this guy's running the show? Think about how many... I mean, this was a rare instance where uh, reporters were directly allowed to ask Zombie J a question. And he can barely talk. The Facebook, Facebook... It was pointed out that Facebook, of all the misinformation, 60% of the misinformation came from 12 individuals. That's what the article said. And by the way, it wasn't just an article. It was a Southern Poverty Law Center hit piece on people like Robert Kennedy and Dr. Rashid Buttar. People that actually helped save lives. Okay? People that actually helped save lives. I have that PDF somewhere. All right? Now, the, the, Oh, so I was asked that question about what do I think is happening? Facebook isn't killing people. These 12 people are out there giving misinformation. Mm. Anyone listening to it is getting hurt by it. It's killing people. It's bad information. My hope is that Facebook, instead of taking it personally, that somehow I'm saying Facebook is killing people, that they would do something about the misinformation, the outrageous misinformation about the, the vaccine. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I meant. I'm trying to push biological weapons on as many people and children as possible on behalf of my predator class masters. And Facebook needs to do more to censor those that would save lives. That's the reality.
Okay, that's the real deal. That's the hardcore truth. Oh, by the way, I'm I'm having trouble not pooping myself, and I can barely speak. I haven't been be, to be completely honest with you. I don't know if they did anything today, up to over the weekend. I don't think they had, but I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Will you hold them accountable if they don't do more to stop this? I'm, I, when you say hold accountable, I just want to. I'm, I'm not trying to hold people. I'm trying to make people look at themselves, look in the mirror. Think about that misinformation going to your son, your daughter, your your relative, someone you love. Yeah, I, I take I take it personally when I see you um, pushing shots on kids and really their parents. See, that's the the whole ploy of the Sesame Street thing and CNN combination. Sure, it did go after your children, but it went more after you because you're that generation. I'm that generation, right? So you watched Big Bird and Snuffleupagus and even the generation under us that has kids. You trust that stuff. So we're going to run ads and have a joint cooperation of hate and lies with Sesame Street. Oh, does Rosita have a boo-boo? Oh, oh no, Amita, this is from my COVID vaccine. Mm. My mommy and my papi took me to get it this morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, Rosita, that's great, getting the COVID vaccine. And by the way, Sanjay, disgusting human being. At least had the balls to go on Rogan. I'll give him that. But look at that smile. Talk about a sellout. Talk about a sellout. Here they are selling you hate and lie shots. It's a great way to stay healthy. No, it's not. See, my mommy and my papi said that it will help keep me, my friends, my neighbors, my abuela all healthy. Your parents are absolutely right. You know, COVID vaccines are now available for children five years and older. And the more people who get them, the better we're going to be able to help stop the spread of COVID. It's not true. None of it. Big smile, Sanjay. I hope those millions are worth it. I really do, buddy. All lies. They lied to you with Sesame Street. This is psychological warfare campaign. This is the fifth generation warfare, right? I hope this doesn't take too long. I'm double parked. Next. Oh, it's an I'm one? Your cousin. From Boston. I'm a moron. Hey, everybody's a moron, but we took hate and lie shots, and now we can drink beer together. We're back, baby. <laughs> Sam's on me. Indoor beers. Did I get the shot? No. You saw the needle and passed out cold. Here you go. Continue to wear a mask. Continue to wear a mask after you take your hate and lie shot. Don't miss your shot. Good luck, guys. It's a breeze. Yeah, it's a, a, see, we got the face mask requirement outside. We got the social distance cones. And then you can drink Samuel uh, Adams beers together. If you want to inject a bioweapon into your arm. We got the Sesame Street crowd, and we got the moron crowd. Okay? And all of it is Defense Department driven here. And and this is still, to this day, in my opinion, the best mainstream piece out there uh, via DARPA, okay, and the hate and lies shot, and the virus itself. Uh, Glenn Beck and the Blaze, they've done really good work. Outside of this, you know, Glenn has done much more. But as far as making it on the news 
and beating people even like Dr. Peter McCullough, who are, are now talking about this stuff. This is it right here with the Tuckins. However you feel about the corona vaccine, imagine your children being given powerful drugs without your knowledge by unionized teachers. What's the appropriate response to this? Glenn Beck, our old friend, is the host of Glenn Beck Radio Program. Of course, he joins us tonight on this story. Glenn, thanks so much for coming on. So you're a parent. How, do you, how would you respond to something like this? Um, I file a lawsuit with the, uh, the teachers union myself. Yeah. I, I, I can't believe what's going on, Tucker. It is completely out of control. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why are they pushing this like this? What do they have to gain? Because it's not our health. I really don't right. believe that. Well, certainly not in the case of children, where there is a demonstrated an actual risk. No. It's not, you know, not to every child, but there is correct very little risk from coronavirus. Correct. So this is like crazy. So you've done um, some reporting on this, on some of the incentives we may not be aware of behind these drugs. Yeah. If you'll tell us what you found. So, okay, so uh, this is a two-hour chalkboard that is condensed into about four minutes. So if you <laughs> want to see the whole thing, it's at FauciLied.com. But I'll try not to sound crazy and tie this together. Gain of function, with, which Fauci says never happened, happened in November of 2015. It happened with Dr. Barrett. It's, it was a published paper, November 2015. The USAID and Fauci with um, EcoHealth, or yeah, EcoHealth, they yeah. were funding it. It was happening with the Wuhan people, so we know that. But what you may not know is in November, the same month that published paper comes out, the United States begins a partnership with Moderna, and they are searching for uh, mRNA coronavirus vaccines. Kind of a weird coincidence, but wait, it gets worse. In this time, we skip to 2018, DARPA receives a proposal from Dr. Barrick, US guy, uh, Dr. Xi from Wuhan, and Peter Daszak from EcoHealth, um, and, or EcoHealth, and uh, DARPA sees this and says, this is far too dangerous, we're rejecting your proposal. We don't know what happened from there, but we do know just about 12 months later in Wuhan where Peter Daszak, Dr. Xi, the Bat Lady, and Dr. Barrick um, were all doing research on coronaviruses. About a year later, there's an outbreak, and it, the outbreak actually begins according to documents that we, we have that have been smuggled out of China, that there were 10 hospitals involved uh, by October with patients that were, uh, were now, we now know are corona-like virus symptoms. They didn't know what was going on. Now that was in October. Remember, we didn't know anything about this in December. We were starting to get rumblings. China said there was some sort of an outbreak on December 31st. But Peter, De I'm sorry, not Peter Daszak, Dr. Barrick signs a uh, government um, deal with Moderna, I want to I read it exactly to you. This, this deal was uh, made, it's confidential, it's 100 and, I don't know, 58 pages long. Um, it is, if I skip to page 104, they are entering a specific private confidential agreement. The NIH appears to be transferring technology to Dr. Barrick, but th what they're making clear is, quote, mRNA coronavirus vaccine candidates developed 
and jointly owned by NIAID and Moderna. Now, this is weird because it's two weeks later that we know there's a problem. They sign that deal two weeks before, and they sign it with the doctor who happened to be a partner with the bat lady in Wuhan. Here's where it gets really dark. These are the same group of people that in the end of January begin to have meetings and they shut down and begin to smear anyone who's looking into the lab right. leak theory. They, they establish that's not true, don't even look there. It, it appears to be collusion. I, you know, we've passed this on to several people in uh, Congress and the Senate. We know Rand Paul has, is on this and Dr. Fauci has some answers to give. Well, I just want to affirm what you're saying. You're the reporting, the amazing reporting you've, you've done on this. Here's a clip of the recently departed NIH director, Francis Collins, admitting on camera that the U.S. government has a stake in the vax. Watch this. Who's going to own that vaccine? Does the federal government own it? One of the vaccines, the one that's furthest along, was started actually at the federal government in our own vaccine research center at NIH and then worked with a biotechnology company called Moderna to get to where we are now with very impressive phase one results and getting ready to go into a large scale trial as early as July. That one, of course, we do have some particular uh, stake in the intellectual property. Francis Collins, terrible person. That's that. That's the Puff the Magic Dragon parody guy. I mean, this this whole segment should just concern everybody. This just see, I mean, you are not making this up. What you're saying is true. I really quickly. Why is this not a front page Please, story everywhere? All of the, all of the documents we we spent about a year on this with people like Charles Rixley from Drastic, uh, with Judicial Watch. They were all FOIAed. These are documents that prove beyond, I think, any kind of reasonable doubt. Something very wrong is happening here. Moderna yes. had been turned down for any kind of vaccine research by everyone publicly over and over again. And now this test is being done on our children. This is the only time that anybody will admit they were doing any kind of testing on coronavirus research for a vaccine with Moderna. It's just it's just beyond belief. And I'm glad finally... I the, someone is saying this out loud. Glenn Beck, I appreciate your reporting on this. Thank you. It's great to see you tonight. And you look at his Thank face. You. And look. He is doing some cool stuff. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and you could tell that he's not too pleased with where we're at. Period. Period. So um, I want to play these clips of implantables. And uh, I think we're going to start with uh, building a telehealth monitoring app for the COVID-1984 nightmare. This shows you all this is integrated. We've talked about the internet of bodies, etc. And, uh, you know, I want to also show you DARPA with their inject, their under the skin biomedical chips that they also want to put in you. Just good stuff. For many years now, we've been using telehealth to monitor chronic disease and, and wellness in, in the community. When COVID became such a worry for Australia, what we decided to do was to adapt our existing telemonitoring solutions to remotely manage 
COVID positive patients in their homes. So these patients, they were self-isolating in their homes, but they were worried about their disease. We rapidly purchased many thousand pulse oximeter devices. And what happens is we have public testing clinics throughout Australia. And when the COVID positive um, results come back for those patients, we uh, interact with them totally at a distance remotely. So we send to their homes physiological monitoring devices such as pulse oximeters. And we deploy on their phones the app and then we take them through a, a sort of a training program. So a training program on how to be a slave and listen to us from afar and quarantine yourself and find out you're a bad, bad person. That they're comfortable with the measurements they're taken. From our COVID monitoring, we can see when patients are starting to become unwell in their home. Mm. So, for instance, we take daily questionnaires mm. and we also take routine pulse oximetry measurements. So we can see when they're desaturating, so when their oxygen saturation levels are falling. Um, and that is that, along with some of the other physiological parameters, such as temperature, allows us to monitor and manage those patients in their homes um, and predict if they were going to have exacerbations that would require them to go to hospital. In our back-end system, we have a decision support system that looks at the trends in parameters, it looks at thresholds and rates of change, looks at questionnaire responses and what's called in, in Australian parlance between the flags. So that refers to surf lifesaving. The safest place to be is between the flags when you're swimming at the beach. It's a similar thing with our monitoring. We look at these parameters and we make sure the patients are, are between the flags and, and safe. Yeah, we, we make sure they're safe that they're not around people, that they're obeying the orders. We did this in a very rapid turnaround. Indeed, it took us six weeks to develop the app, take some of our wearable devices through our regulatory authority, which is called TGA, which is like the American FDA. Yeah, we got regulatory authority. We're as corrupt as the FDA and to start monitoring patients throughout Sydney and then after that, um, more recently throughout Melbourne. Yeah, great. There we go. Yeah, Mo the Medicine and Biology Society. So here, Pentagon scientists invent microchip, which senses COVID. Okay. So this technology involves making the RNA, which is the uh, a molecule that provides information to the cells of the body to produce the antigen. This is such a different technology. It's very, very different from conventional ones. The main advantage is that with this technology, with the same production process, involving the same production of RNA purification and formulation. See, this, this is a different, it's mis, this is mislabeled, but this is the run of the mRNA. This is telling you this is very different from um, the traditional vaccines out there. So this, go, this fits right in as well. You can produce virtually any RNA molecule, which then translates into basically any vaccine candidate. So you can produce vaccines against virtually anything both currently known and unknown diseases. So even if there's a new threat in the future, you know, a new unknown virus, which is currently unknown, uh, let's call it disease X. If there's a new, uh, new, new threat in the future, with this technology, you can respond a lot quicker to produce a vaccine candidate. So, so again, just like they did with these, 
from now on, they're going to have these quick solutions to all these problems. And if you don't take them, you're the one halting up society or you won't be able to be a part of certain aspects of society as we've already seen. And the mRNA won't have to go through this vigorous process that we did once have that Neil deGrasse Tyson is lying about. Okay, period. And that's all good because, hey, DARPA is going to have biosensors for us because they rock. Because we love you. Because the Defense Hello, Department never uh, lies. I'm Colonel Matt Hepburn. Uh, I'm a program manager in the Biological Technologies Office uh, at DARPA. I am a active duty Army infectious diseases physician and have specialized in uh, addressing biological threats um, that can either be engineered or naturally occurring, such as Ebola or pandemic influenza. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the technologies that I actively manage, a company called Profusa, which is aiming at achieving tissue-level continuous health monitoring. Through the SBIR program, we funded them to solve a incredible technical challenge that no one else had been previously able to solve. The key innovation that was presented to us is they said, why can't we make a chemical substance that's really identical to what's underneath the skin, what we call the subcutaneous tissue, so that your body doesn't recognize it as a foreign body response. It just incorporates itself into the tissue. And we have a lot of examples now where a sensor put right underneath the skin can sense things like oxygen and other chemicals that are very important to our metabolism. And not just sense that for a day or a week or even a month, but we imagine that sensing these parameters can go on for a period of years. One of the most important applications to us is so that we can improve the health of our worldwide deployed military force. We feel a strong sense of obligation that if we're gonna ask somebody to be deployed and to carry out their mission, that we want to keep them healthy. And this technology will give us a way to monitor if someone is getting sick. We imagine that we would be able to sense that very early and therefore prevent them from getting sick and prevent their complications, allow them to stay healthy and continue to carry out their mission. In addition, if our technology translates into general health benefit, we're very excited about that. General health benefit, in other words, deploying medicines, it's always safety and health that these solutions come into play under that guise, but it's really about command and control. I think that's where we're going to wrap it up. I do want to remind everybody we are here. Um, 8 to 10 a.m. Monday through Thursday. I am a documentary filmmaker, Loose Change, Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, A New World Order to Find, and Shade the Motion Picture are free of charge. Loose Change and Fabled Enemies about 9-11. Invisible Empire, A New World Order to Find, my large-scale global uh, picture. And then, of course, Shade the Motion Picture, bioengineering, geoengineering, and expose on these eugenicist gates Turner and others taking on the good guys club and taking on the great narrative one day at a time. We're going to challenge it every day because we're pro human here. We don't take sides. It's not about left or right. It's always about right and wrong. And I want you to join me on that journey. I love you guys. And I will see you all on the flip side.